Well, a topic that I want to speak on this morning is a very interesting subject. It deals with you and me. And the subject is the world, the earth. Is it young? Is it old? You know, there's a lot of discrepancy in various theologians' view. Many believe that the earth is really old, and there's some that believe it's really young. And we want to believe what the Bible really says. So what does it say? And how can you know the truth? Well, you know, when it comes to salvation and going to heaven, that's a heaven and hell issue. We ought to get that right. Now, when it comes to how old is the earth, we, we may not get it exactly right. There's a lot of good people on both sides of the issue. So what I'm going to do this morning is see how smart you are. I'm going to give you both issues, both sides. And then you can make an intelligent decision for yourself. You know, you've seen that commercial. We report, you decide. Well, I believe God has already reported the way it really is. Sometimes as individuals, we don't always see it the same way. So what I want you to do is take your Bible and turn to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis in chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Because, you know, somewhere along the line, you have to, well, kind of get an idea of, well, is the earth old? And is there such a thing as prehistoric men, prehistoric animals? What about the dinosaurs? You know, all those things are so interesting. And if you believe the Bible, well, you've got to find out now, what does God have to say about this? Is it old? Is it young? In the book of Genesis in chapter 1, look in verse 1. It makes this statement, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And He didn't say when. He didn't give us a date that He made it. But there are some hints in here that we'll find, and I want us to look at both sides of the issue. In the book of John, just hold your place here in Genesis and just go with me over to the Gospel of John. And chapter 1, Gospel of John, chapter 1, and look in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And goes on and says all this, but now look in verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by Him, and the world knew Him not. Also, you can read over there in the book of Colossians in chapter 1, but we won't go there right now, where it talks about the Lord holds everything together. Not only did He create everything, and He was before all things, made all things, but can you find out about when it all came to be? Well, I want you to take your Bible and look in Genesis in chapter 2. Now, sometimes you look at the fossils that people have found. Now, I've been to various museums. I've seen these gigantic bones of all these big old dinosaurs. Children really love those things. I don't know why, but kids love dinosaurs. I guess because they're so big. But when you look at those dinosaurs, and then they talk about the, the different men. You know that they found the prehistoric men, the Cro-Magnon, the Heidelberg man, the Pithecanthropus erectus man, the Australopithecine man, the Nebraska man, and all. 
And it sounds so intelligent. So where did they come from? So there are those who believe, and it may be true, that there was before the recreation in chapter 2 of the book of Genesis, that perhaps there was life upon the earth before. And that's where we had all the huge animals and prehistoric men, and the angels sinned against God, and a cataclysmic judgment upon the earth, and God beat the earth up and turned it upside down and sunk it all underwater. And there you go. And then, when he made the heavens and the earth that we have now, it was a recreation of the old creation that was destroyed. Okay? That is a view. And if a person believed in God, that God created, okay? But what about those who believe that God created by the process of evolution, theistic evolution, that God created by the process of evolution? That means that all those days in the book of Genesis, where it says, an evening and a morning was one revolutionary turn of the earth, but those really were long geological ice ages of 250,000 years each. So therefore, they've got to have time, because evolutionists believe that if you have enough time, anything is possible. So they need all these eons and eons of time, because if you've got enough time, anything is possible. But then the other issue is, can God make something out of something that was created out of nothing? So God can make something out of something that He created out of nothing. So you'll find those two thoughts that are mentioned in the book of Genesis. That God created out of nothing and then took what He made out of nothing and formed something out of that. Isn't this getting interesting? I hope that you can follow me. Don't go to sleep. Because we got to have to... It's kind of like this woman who became an archaeologist. Because she would do anything to dig up a man. Anyway, so we're studying in the book of Genesis. And I want you to look in chapter 2. In chapter 2. And there is the belief that there's a good possibility that this in chapter 2 is the recreation of a... Uh, catechismic judgment that had taken place upon the earth. So in verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended His work which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had made. God blessed the seventh day, and He sanctified it, because that in it He had rested from all His work which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth, when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So, they believe that chapter 1, see, was an original, and then chapter 2 was, was a recreation. And therefore, before this was when we have all the, the dinosaurs and uh, the, the cavemen and, and all of that stuff. And so therefore, they could have been millions of years and uh, as many as you need. And so there's a, a good possibility that that all might be true. And then when you look at it and see, wow. Did you know that there are stars that are millions of light years away? So you figure out how much light travels how many miles, 186,000 miles a second? And then it's a year away, and then a light year away, 
And so the light to shine from that star that's millions of light years away, well, it has to travel so fast. And so if we're here on the earth and we finally see that, well, that light has to be at least that, it has to be created that long ago. So you have all these ages and these eons of time. Now look there in Genesis in chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and look in verse 2. In verse 2 is the statement made, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. There's a word here that many take and say the word was, and it's always in the Hebrew, in the original, means became. If you look in the bottom of your old Schofield reference note, it even tells you that this is probably what happened. And so it's recorded right there in your notes that sometimes this is how it is looked upon. And the word was without form. And it uses several scripture references. And so you go to those scripture references and you look and it looks like the earth was one way and became something else. And then the spirit moved upon the face of the waters and then we have the recreation. So there's those who believe that this is a possibility, that it is you know, true. So what I want you to do is take your Bible and look very quickly at a couple of these verses that's mentioned right here in the Old School for Reference Notes, which is Jeremiah chapter 4. So take your Bible, turn to Jeremiah and chapter 4. Jeremiah chapter 4. And look in verse 23. Verse 23. And you'll notice where it says in Jeremiah 4, 23. I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void. And the heavens, and they had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was no man. And all the birds of the heavens fled. So therefore, this shows that there was nobody, no people, no bird, no nothing, and when God originally formed the earth. So therefore, this has to be a recreation, because God did not create it in vain, and that when He made it, it was not to be you know, without form and void. So that had to be from an original chaos upon the earth where God poured out a judgment upon the earth. And therefore, uh, whatever was living upon the earth during this time, and many believe it was because of the angels that sinned against God, and so therefore there was this judgment upon the earth. It may be. Remember, when it comes to salvation, how to go to heaven, that's a heaven and hell issue, and that's really, really important. And yet there's a lot of people who don't even see that and agree on that. It's going to be very difficult for everybody to agree on the same thing, reading out of the same book. Because many times we have a preconceived idea, and we go to the Bible and we look for verses to try to prove that our view is right. And it may not be right, but we don't want to admit that. So we try to take the Bible and maybe twist it to make it say what we want it to say. So it's interesting. Take your Bible, look in Isaiah 24. Isaiah and chapter 24. Isaiah chapter 24, and look in verse 1. In verse 1, it makes this statement on page 733. 
Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty. Uh huh. And maketh it waste, turneth it upside down. So you see that in the beginning, when God made the original earth, this is what He did. He made it empty and He brought this judgment upon the earth and uh, made it waste and turned it upside down. And so that's what we have in the very beginning when it says, And the earth was without form and void, or became this way because of some judgment of God upon that which was living upon the earth, whether it was angels or prehistoric men and so forth. And so they believed that Adam was a recreation of a man. And he was just in the line of a long bunch of men who had gone before him, and that's where we have all the prehistoric stuff. So there's a, a view that is held by this, and pretty strong. But since we're in the book of Isaiah, look in chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45 and look there in chapter 45 and verse 18. And notice what it says in verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, there is none else. So God made the earth, God made the world, and he did not create it in vain in the beginning, or formed it in the beginning, you know, not to be inhabited or whatever. So then if that word was means became, it was one thing and became something else. And that's where all these verses are referring to. So it sounds pretty reasonable. And people who hold that view, I, I don't fault them for it. Because as I read those scriptures and just what I showed you, you may believe that too. But when you get right down to it, what's it going to change? What effects upon your life is it going to make? Now, I just simply believe that whatever the Bible says, we should believe it. Though I may not understand everything, I do want to take and look at all options and then try to make a logical conclusion because it might help me down the road to make a wiser decision. But one thing is true. Whatever the Word of God says, I should believe what God's Word says. So now, let's take a look at the other view. Instead of thinking that maybe the earth is really old, is there a possibility the earth could be really young? And there's several reasons for a person believing this. So, Whenever we talk about the world that we now live in, God that said He laid the foundations of the earth, is it possible, just possible, could God create with the appearance of age? Now, when He made the world, and He made, you know, the waters, did He do it all at once? Did He just speak and it happened, or did it take eons and eons of time. It's always interesting watching sometimes the History Channel and the channels that talks about, you know, prehistoric man and uh, how the world began and why they want to send out all these things into space so they can try to find how it really began. And they talk about the Big Bang Theory. You know, the Big Bang Theory 
Well, I believe the Big Bang was when God spoke, and and there it was. But they're talking about some gases that come together, and all of a sudden, we have a blob of protoplasm floating around in the ooze of the Nile. And uh, one celled amoeba, and then it gets more complex from there, and next thing you know, we're the highest form of something on an evolutionary ladder. Here we are. So they don't believe that there was a God, because a God means a creator, and a creator uh, means he created. Since you don't believe in a God, you can't believe in creation, so you have to reason, well, where did we come from? How did we get here? So then you have to come to the conclusion that either something made something, or something created itself. If it created itself, that means it had to act before it existed. And as Spock would say, that's illogical. Or you can say that I believe that there was a God, and God created the heavens and the earth. And that that means, if that's true, then God had to always be. Because God cannot create himself. He has to always be. Or he had to do the same thing and create out of nothing. And there he is. There's God. But whoever God is, wherever God is, if you can believe in God, you can believe everything else that the Bible says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Doesn't even try to explain it. Just by the fact that you're supposed to accept it. Because it's a reasonable thing. Why? The world is here and we didn't do it. And the world didn't make itself, so the only logical conclusion, there had to be a God that designed this world because it has design, that means a designer. And it has laws, that means a lawgiver. And it has plans, so that means there's a planner behind all of this. I do not believe that we are a bunch of accidents upon this earth. I believe there's a God that created the heavens and the earth. Now, I can't make people believe that, but I believe that. So, when you look at the various things and so-called fossils, the fossils that they find do not prove they're prehistoric. You see, we have from the very beginning the first man. And God says, the first man, Adam. Not the second, third, or fourth. The first man was Adam. Who said that? God's Word says that. So if God says the first man was Adam, I just believe what God said. I don't put a billion before him walking around. I don't believe that. I believe God created the first man. And that the first man was the most intelligent man. Because he was able to, well, I guess you could say, name everything that God ever made. And because of that, it's very, very important to realize that the first man had a language because no man ever created languages. Start one. Create your own language. But we're supposed to believe that a blob that can't think originated a mouth and eyes and ears. And they didn't even know ahead of time there was light waves or sound waves. Or that there would be words to communicate to somebody else. Why? Because he didn't know that anybody else existed. Why? Because he couldn't see them. He couldn't hear them. Why? Because he can't hear. So what came first? The light of the eye. You saw every step in evolution is a greater miracle than creation itself. Why? Because it did it by itself. It's easier for me to believe that in the beginning, God did something. So I believe that God created the heavens and the earth.
and that I believe that God could create with the appearance of age. God says that he made man. Take your Bible and look in chapter 2 of the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 2. And look there in verse 7. Verse 7. Verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. Now stop right there. That means he took something he had already made from something that he created out of nothing. Because see, there wasn't anything. So God made something, and then he was able to take something and make a man. And he formed a man. But he wasn't yet the man until God breathed into his body the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So he already formed the body, but he didn't create or form it in vain. He didn't do that for no purpose. He wasn't through yet. He formed the body. Then he breathed into it. Is it possible that in the beginning God can create out of nothing the heavens and the earth, and then he starts making what he wants to out of it? And not that he created it, and it became void, or in vain, or empty, or what? No, God not through with what He did. And so we have, I believe, the good possibility that the earth could be a young earth, and not an older. Nobody can tell me that I do not understand the old age theory. I know it very well. I know every bit of the logic that's used. I know every scripture that someone uses to present the old age theory and that there was a judgment from the word was and then we have everything else that's come from that. So I know the thoughts, the theory, but I'm not sure that it's the truth, the total truth. So is there a possibility that it could be another explanation? Let's just pretend that God created the heavens and the earth, just like he said. Now, can he create with the appearance of age? I mean, God. God made a rock. There's a rock. Ah, how old is that rock? Well, we can check it and see how old this rock is. Wait a minute, God just made it. It's brand new. God laid the foundations of the earth. Well, these down here had to get here first, and then those on top of it. So therefore, uh, it takes thousands of years. Is it possible that God could create and make oil and put oil wherever He wants it in the earth, and it didn't have to come because of vegetation that over the millions and millions of years? You're trying to tell me my God can make gold, and my God can make silver, but my God can't make oil? I believe He can. I believe God can create with the appearance of age. When he made Adam and Eve, do you think they were capable of bearing children? Right off the bat. When he made a tree, well, just look at it. Look at this tree. See there in Genesis in chapter 1, look what he says there in verse 11. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. God is able to create the seed and the tree all at one time. 
and it can bear fruit. And it was an evening and the morning. See there in verse 13? An evening and the morning was the third day. In one revolutionary turn of the earth, lo and behold, a tree that can bear fruit. Well, how old was the tree? 24 hours old. Well, just by the mere fact that there's a tree. Well, it takes so long for this tree to develop. It has to come from the seed and grow up. It has to be 20, 30 years old. No, it's brand new. How old was Adam? Well, it was brand new. Couldn't God make a brand new earth? Is it possible? I believe there's a possibility. And God says He made everything where it would recreate after its own kind. The power of recreation, the power of procreation, we call it. And everybody, and even people, we are able to reproduce after our own kind. That's the way God set it up in the very beginning. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Exodus in chapter 20. The book of Exodus. And you'll notice there's a, a statement made here that I think you'll find pretty interesting. Exodus chapter 20. Remember this. God used Moses to write the first five books of the Bible. True? Right. If he understood what he says here in the book of Exodus, God also used him to write... The book of Genesis. So it was done by the same writer. So what Moses wrote here is a reference to back there. But look what he says there in verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. He says here, six days. And he's talking to Israel and talking to them about the Sabbath day, which mentions up there in verse 8 and, and so forth. And he's talking about a literal 24-hour period or a one revolutionary turn of the year. And these six days, they're not long geological ice ages. They're literal days. And he's the one that God used to write this. And he's the same one that wrote the book of Genesis. Same guy. And he says back then it was one revolutionary turn. One evening and a morning was the first day. Evening and morning was the second day. And how do the Jewish people count their time? Evening and a morning. I'm not making it up. But sometimes, you know, there's another way of looking at something. Does it mean you don't believe the Bible? No, there's just sometimes not everybody sees everything exactly the same way. So you can hold the, it's really old, and then you've got room to put in all the things that evolutionists teach. Because if they got enough time, it's possible. And sometimes it's because we don't know how to explain some of these things that, well, where did they come from? Where, where do they go? So I want you to take and think about this. Go now to the book of Ezekiel in chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel 28, uh, there's a statement that's made here about the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden. Wouldn't you like to have been there, seen that? That would have been wonderful. In the Ezekiel 28, talk about the king of Tyre, but we know behind the scenes that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. 
And that the kingdom that he offered to Christ, he says, he showed them to him in a moment of time upon the Mount of Transfiguration whenever he was talking to him about, you know, he's going to, he tempted him. And so therefore he promised him the kingdoms of the world. So in Ezekiel 28, it's talking about here, somebody that's behind the scene, behind the man that does the wrong, there's a reason for it. And I want you to see there in verse 12. This is on page 871. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, saying to him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealeth up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now this is a statement about the devil, Lucifer, when he was a, an anointed cherub, when he was an angel of light. This is when he was in his beauty. And he says in verse 13, you ought to underline this in your Bible, Thou hath been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardis, the tobaz, the diamond, and the beryl, and the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and the gold, and the workmanship of thy tablets, and of thy pipes were prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I blah, 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 blah. In verse 15, thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. Now this, we believe, that is a reference to Satan himself. But this is a reference to him when he was in the garden, and yet he was perfect and in beauty. But now when, when was the garden done? Go all the way back there to the book of Genesis again. Back to the book of Genesis in chapter 2. And chapter 2, look now in verse 8. Look in verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden. Isn't that wonderful? God planted a garden. Imagine what it looked like. When did he plant this garden? Well, look what he says in verse 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul, and the Lord God planted the garden. So he planted the garden right there at the time when he made the man. And he put the man in the garden. So the garden was there when God made the man. Satan, before he fell, was in the garden. Before he fell. So then that means it could not have been a prehistoric judgment upon the earth because of the angels or the devil that sinned against God and brought all of this judgment upon the earth. Another thing. Take your Bible and turn over there with me to the book of Romans in chapter 5. Romans and chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and look there in verse 12. Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. This is on page 1197. In verse 12, it makes this statement. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Now, if there was death upon the earth before God made Adam and Eve, then that means that there had to be sin upon the earth before Adam and Eve. And if there was all these animals and whatever, and they all died back then because of that, then sin did not come into the world by a man, but by the devil. 
God says, by one man. Now get this. So in verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam. From Adam. Not before Adam, from Adam. Now, we can twist all of this if we want and try to make it say something else, but if you go strictly by what God says, you can't do the other way. Only by twisting. Making it say something it does not say. So he says, Death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The last part of verse 12. So is there a possibility? Now let's take and do something else. Let's take another look now at Jeremiah chapter 4. Go to Jeremiah and chapter 4. We were there just a moment ago, but let's uh, visit there one more time. Jeremiah chapter 4. And notice something here. Look in verse 23. As you look at the scripture in its context... Verse 23, I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void. And that's because God wasn't finished yet. And the heavens, and they had no light. Well, that's because later on God said, let the Spirit moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. But look in verse 24. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I beheld, and lo, there was no man. All the birds of the heavens were fled. Well, of course if they hadn't been created yet. If they hadn't been created yet, I could understand that. But that's not what he's saying. You see, look down in verse 29. The whole city shall flee from the noise of the horsemen and the bowmen. There uh, they shall go into the thicket and climb upon the rocks and get to every city shall be forsaken and not a man dwell therein. This is not talking about before God ever made the heavens and the earth. This is... Talking about a judgment coming upon Israel. Look what he says down there in verse 1 of chapter 5. Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now, and know, and seek, and the broad places thereof. Underline that statement. If ye can find a man. So you think we're talking about back there in the dinosaur days. We're talking about back there in the prehistoric days with the Cro-Magnon, the Heidelberg man, and all that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a judgment where God says there's no man left and there's no birds and so like that. There's judgment coming upon the earth. This is a future one, not a past one. At least that's my humble opinion. But if I'm going to use this verse, then I need to keep this verse in its context. And in the context, it's not saying that. I think it's a misapplication of the scripture. I'll look there in Isaiah 24. Since we're close and we looked at the other one, look back here at Isaiah 24. Isaiah 24 and look in verse 1. I believe this is in the future. This is a judgment that is coming, not one that has passed. See there in verse 1 of Isaiah 24. Verse 1, Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. Oh, you're going to scatter the inhabitants. So you can't separate it from the inhabitants. Oh, look down in verse 6. Therefore hath the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. Now you think it's talking about past or future. You can twist it all you want, but if you go by what it says, 
You can't use these scriptures to validate something else. And even though I love the old Schofield reference Bible, I believe it's in error. Look what it says in verse 5. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof because they have transgressed the what? You think it's talking about animals? These animals transgressed the laws of God. I don't think so. I think he's talking about people that have received the law and have transgressed the law and God's going to judge. It's not what God wants. Isn't God in the future going to recreate this earth and this whole world is going to be destroyed? And we're going to have a new heavens and a new earth? I think the Bible says something like that. I do believe it's in there. Look in chapter 45 since you're right here. Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45 and verse 18. In verse 18, I believe that it's a reference to the Lord and what is going to take place. See the verse 17? But Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. Ye shall not be ashamed nor confounded world without end. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth, made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. I have not spoken in secret. And this says in the last part of verse 19, Seek ye me. They that I said not unto the seed of Jacob, Seek ye me in vain. Does it mean there's no people? No, there were people, but they believed in vain. God created the heavens and the earth. But He didn't create the earth to be void and empty. He created it for a reason. All these things that God has placed in His Word, we're supposed to read and study and so forth. So look in verse 22. Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. So it's a reference to what God is going to do in His salvation. And there's people that don't listen. God says there's going to be a great judgment coming upon the earth. There's going to be a great tribulation period. Many people are going to be destroyed upon the face of the earth. And so, um, yes, I believe that there's a good possibility that maybe the earth isn't that old. But when it comes to the future, it's not going to change anything, whether you believe it's an old earth or a young earth. There's good people on both sides, and it's not going to change the present or the future. But I do believe that we should not be afraid of looking at the Scriptures and seeing what it says and maybe something that you want to study a little bit more so on your own. Let me explain this. Because this is the Word of God, and I believe it's true, but it's so easy to show how that you can read a couple of verses and come up with one way and then read a couple more verses and it seems like you're going the other way. This is how people are doing it with the gospel. They'll read some scriptures in the uh, Word of God that talks about you've got to earn and work and be, you know, according to your faith and work hard and church and praying and giving and all these things. But then they put it to salvation. And then you read some other verses and it's simply by faith and faith alone. And then you'll read a verse that says, and not by faith only. And you go, what's he talking about? See, when you're talking about salvation going to heaven, it's by grace and not by works. After you trust Christ as your Savior, 
God wants us to realize that we're going to be rewarded in this life and in heaven by our work, the things that we do. So therefore, it's not just to stand around and say, well, I believe, I believe, I believe. Well, you may go to heaven by faith alone, but the rewards that you earn is because of what you've done for the Lord. So there's a lot of verses in the Bible that talks about serving and working, but you're not doing it to get to heaven. You see, I did not have to promise my mother and dad how I was going to live before they let me come into the world. Wouldn't that have been interesting? My mama saying, now listen to me, Yankee. You're, you're not getting out of here unless you promise me you're going to live right. I promise. Well, did anybody have to do that? No. You don't promise God how you're going to serve Him and live for Him in order to be born into His family. You're born by simply accepting the payment Christ made for you. Now, after you're saved, there's a lot of things God wants us to do. But we don't do it to get to heaven. We do it because we're God's children, because we're going to heaven. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. And the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. You see, God says that sin came in the world because there was a sinner. A man sinned against God. And because of sin, death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Since we've all sinned, we're all condemned. But God loves us. And He wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect. None of us are righteous. We're not good enough to go to heaven because we've all sinned. We have an old sinful nature, so we can't go to heaven. So how am I going to get there? Well, God says you can't earn your way there. You can't be good because you're already bad. You've already done things wrong. And if you try to live perfectly for the rest of your life, it's impossible because you can't. You can't live a perfect life. Impossible. You may want to, desire to, but you can't. This end represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. God came into the world. He made the world. And He came into the world. But the world received Him not. But to as many as would believe that He paid for their sins. To them gave He the right or the power, the authority to become the sons of God. Only God's children get to go to heaven. Because all of God's children, in God's eyes, are perfect. Because Christ paid for all of their sins. See, all my sins are paid for, so God doesn't see my sins. They're all paid. Because the wages of sin and death, Christ died for my sins. And so all I had to do was believe He did it for me. And He would put this payment to my account, and I get to go to heaven on what He did for me. Best news in all the world. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, wouldn't it be a good logical thing? That if all of this is true, and God did create you, and you are a sinner, and you have sinned, and you're going to die, and there is a heaven, and there is a hell, doesn't it make sense to trust Christ as your Savior so you can go to heaven when you die? A man would have to be a fool to turn down a free gift. Because there's no tricks to it. There's no gimmicks to it. We're not asking you to stop anything, join anything. We're just saying, will you receive what Christ did for you? Will you believe He did it for you? He died and paid for your sins. What that means is, is you don't have to pay for them if He paid for them. 
It means all those bad things I've done or ever will do, I don't have to pay for them in hell. He paid for them. All of them. You say, well, you don't deserve that. I know. God calls it grace. By grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you just talk to the Lord? See, I can't save you. So don't, no, no sense trying to trust me or this church. But will you trust Jesus Christ? He's the Lord. You can't make a mistake by trusting the only true and living God there is. Would you believe that He died and paid for your sins? And if you will trust Him right now, God said He would save you right now and give you the free gift of eternal life. Doesn't that make sense? Will you trust Him? If you will, I'd like to have prayer for you. And so I'm going to ask in just a moment, I'm going to ask you if you'll raise your hand. Raising your hand is just to let me know that what I said made sense. And you'd like for me to have prayer for you in closing. And I sure would. So anyone before we close say, yes, that made sense to me, and I'll trust Christ as my Savior. Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. Yes, God bless you, hon. I see that. God bless you, sir. I appreciate that. It's just a sign of good judgment. Anyone else before we close? Say, yes, that made sense to me. And I will trust Christ as my Savior. Anyone else? If you trusted Christ as your Savior, you don't have to do it again. But if you've never done it, don't leave without trusting the Lord. Our Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. We're thankful for the free gift of eternal life. We ask your blessings upon these that indicated by an uplifted hand that this day, this moment, they accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. By doing so, they become your child, your child forever, that you'll never cast them out and never lose them. And Father, we ask your blessings upon this church. We do pray especially for the Bible Line Radio Ministry. Father, there's people out there that can be able to, to give and support it, but Father, we have to leave that in your hands. And we just trust that your will will be done. Thank you so much for this day. Bless each one in Christ's name we pray. Amen.